You're listening to The Scrimmage with Daniel Hargrove and Justin Domashevitz. afternoon and good night. I'm Daniel Hargrove. And I'm Justin Domashevitz. And we've also got our trusty producer, Andrew Gross, here with us. we got a lot of great stuff to talk about today, including another Seahawks win that we are going to choose to complain about. Are we? We're complaining again? <laughs> yeah. Okay. With skew negative. <laughs> we also are going to take a look around the entire NFL after the first quarter of the season. Oh, but first, time for the two-minute drill. Let's go, let's go, let's go, hurry up. Gotta hurry, gotta hurry, gotta hurry. Hey, two minute situation. 44 seconds, hand the ball around. Gun do right, gun do right. Three jet Buckeye, don't worry. The two minute drill starts now. Reggie Miller said on Monday on the Dan Patrick show that LeBron James' legacy is already set, and winning another title won't change it. Justin, do you agree? I think it's pretty silly to say it won't affect his legacy at all. But if you think about the legacy that he's actually shooting for of being considered the greatest player of all time, if people think that MJ is the greatest player of all time, I don't think anything LeBron does in the next few years is going to change that opinion for those people. So in a way, although I think he's gone a little extreme saying it won't change it at all, in a way, I think Reggie Miller's right. Cowboys defensive tackle Tristan Hill was fined six thousand five hundred and twenty-two random dollars <laughs> right? for twisting Seahawks running back Chris Carson's leg after a tackle in Week Three. Daniel, was this fine harsh enough? No, no, it wasn't. He was also fined the exact same amount for hitting Russell Wilson in the head with his helmet. A, what are these random numbers? Six thousand five hundred and twenty-two dollars for both hits. Where does that come from? I mean, when Pete Carroll was fined for not wearing a mask, he was fined a hundred grand even. Six thousand five hundred and twenty-two. What the heck is that about? The LA Lakers have looked dominant in taking a 2-0 series lead. Justin, are you a bad LeBron fan for not believing <laughs> that he will sweep the Miami Heat? Also, are you a bad LeBron fan yeah. for now rooting against the Lakers tonight so you can be right? You added that. <laughs> That's a trick. Okay, so full <laughs> disclosure, the Lakers are playing later today, so we don't know what's going to happen in game three. I would say through the first two games, it looked like they were going to they're going to sweep, especially with Dragic and Adebayo out. They will also be out for game three. But now secretly, not so secretly, since Daniel just <laughs> outed me, I will be rooting for the Miami Heat to win game three. Not only so that I could be right about the five-game series, but also so that Daniel could be wrong about asking this question. <laughs> Former Seahawks safety Earl Thomas was reportedly not signed by the Houston Texans because numerous players came forward to, to oppose the idea of bringing him into the locker room. Thomas was released by the Baltimore Ravens for similar reasons. Daniel, what are the chances Earl will find a team to play for this season? It's looking less and less. I thought that the Texans would be a good fit for him back in Texas, back where he's from. But if this is following him around, which is so weird, you brought up off the air that we've seen scumbags and dirtbags and jerkwads sign to teams 
and we've never seen this before. It makes me think that some of the Texans players called some of their buddies on the Ravens and were like, hey, should we want to deal with them? And they were like, no, don't stay away from this guy. He is toxic right now. And that is, that's a bummer that somebody can get that hated by his teammates that now it's spreading to other teams saying they don't want to play with him. Isn't that weird? It's so weird. so weird. It's one of the weirdest situations I can recall because, like you said, there's been a bunch of really bad dudes who get signed to teams and sometimes they get released for other reasons. What is it about Earl Thomas that's so repulsive? Like, is it – could it really possibly be that he's such a terrible locker room presence? And would that be enough not only for his teammates to, like, his own teammates to form a band against him to go to the front office and say, you got to release this guy – but then also for another team because players came forward to say, no, we don't want him. It's crazy. I, it makes me wonder if there's going to be something more that we find out later that we didn't know. Like, is there something more dark about Earl Thomas that we haven't found out yet? Let's speculate wildly what it could be. <laughs> or Let's not. speculate wildly and irresponsibly. No, I think we is should. Is he a murderer? I think. <laughs> well, actually, the Ravens are okay with murderers. They had Ray Lewis on their team for a really long time. So it must long not time. be that. Yeah. Now, let's speculate more on your fanhood. Why, <laughs> why do you all of a sudden hate LeBron? I don't hate LeBron. You do. I mean, you obviously don't love him as much as I do. I'm the true LeBron defender on this show because I'm the only one who thinks they'll sweep. If you want that mantle, I will give it to you. Oh, you can have it. Called my bluff on that. Well, basically, well my point in the beginning was that a sweep is kind of extreme, no, and I was taking the, the easy be- way out. I was saying, I think with all the depth of scorers that Miami has, it would seem reasonable that they could steal a game yeah. in a seven-game series, well, even though the Lakers are clearly a bit better. You obviously just had no faith, and your original point was that you are the Minshew defender. Yeah, I still am. Yeah, that's not true. Just like Minshew I'm not defender. actually the LeBron defender just because I decided to hop on the bandwagon late. Wait, whoa, wait a minute. See, here's what <laughs> happened. The two of you ignored the Minshew bandwagon. It got put on the back burner for both of you. So I don't know what happened, why for for several weeks or even for a few months, you guys just forgot about Gardner Minshew. So I was like, hey, this bandwagon, it's empty. I'm going (laughs) to jump on it and drive it. So yeah, I jumped on late. I'll acknowledge that. But now I am the (laughs) biggest Minshew fan in this room until he he stinks, then I'll go by. He hopped on the empty bandwagon that is at the back of the Minshew train. Oh, Maybe the problem is I don't know what a bandwagon is. Is a bandwagon <laughs> pulled by a train? I don't know. I don't it's think it is. Is train. it a wagon that a band rides is on? It, is it a bandwagon pulled by a hype train? What? <laughs> I think that's not how that works. Hype think... train! <laughs> Woo! Sorry, you I just watched... Uh, I'm watching Good Place again, and... Gosh, that's so funny. It's Jason. Good and then now he just found out that Bortles got cut. Yeah. And so Foles, and so he's a Foles. I, I just watched the episode where he was. Jason was like, how could he not know the name Blake Bortles? He's the best. And Eleanor was like, no, he's not. And even I know that. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Justin, it is time for your favorite part of the show. No, it's not talking about more LeBron James stuff. Oh, or boy. is it? This just got oh, maybe awkward because this is an all LeBron James issue. Of Stump Daniel. Ah, 
Dang it. It's not. I just <laughs> um, I actually just have a few kind of random trivia que- questions based on some things that happened recently in baseball and football. It's very similar to last week's format, but a little bit shorter. And I actually think, you know, last week I went into it with confidence thinking, hey, you have a possibility for 11 points. I felt like, you know, you could get an A. I felt like you could get 10 of those. Well, you didn't. You failed <laughs> miserably in a way that I didn't even predict. And I designed these segments for you to fail. That's true. I thought this week you need a little bit of a boost, okay? All right. I'm going to give you some questions. I that... hate it when you say that because then when I fail, it just makes that much worse. Again, this like... segment is designed to make you feel bad about yourself. Yeah, but then you just said I needed a boost. That was all part of the design. It's like you're a bad place architect or something. Just call me Michael. <laughs> okay, here's your first question, Daniel. Which NFC team broke the NFL record on Sunday by losing its sixth consecutive game despite leading by 10-plus points at some point in the game? Oh, my gosh. Which NFC team broke the NFL record on Sunday by losing its sixth consecutive game despite leading by 10-plus points at some point in the game? And you're talking about today, right? Yeah. Okay. Falcons play tomorrow night, so it can't be them. <laughs> can't be them. <laughs> and just for clarification, they didn't lose their sixth consecutive game. They lost their sixth consecutive game in which they held a 10-plus point lead. Oh. How was I supposed to know this? Uh, By paying attention <laughs> to maybe which teams won their game or lost their game but blew a 10-plus point lead. I got to break it to you, Cotton. It's not looking good. I don't even know which team's lost. (laughs) We know one team that lost because we watched the Seahawks game together. Yeah, but they didn't have a 10-point lead. They never had the lead. Uh, I'm going to go with the Dallas Cowboys. It is not the Dallas Cowboys. That was a terrible guess. The answer is, and if you had thought about it, you would have realized what are the one of the most pathetic franchises in the NFL is the Detroit Lions. They lost to the New Orleans Saints 35 to 29 despite leading 14 to nothing in the first quarter. <sighs> You're over one. Next question. I'm right where I always am. Baltimore Ravens quarterback Lamar Jackson reached 5,000 yards passing and 2,000 yards rushing quicker than any player in NFL history in his 35th career game on Sunday. Who was the previous record holder? Again, it's 5,000 career passing yards and 2,000 career rushing yards. Thinking of two different guys. Okay. I'm not going to say these aren't my answer. I'm not saying the answer. Okay. But I'm thinking it's either Cam Newton or Russell Wilson. Okay. And I'm going to go with... Cam Newton. That is incorrect, and it's a terrible guess. In fact, the guy who did it is neither of the people that you guessed. It is, in fact, a player that you incorrectly guessed on a question last week. Michael Vick, (laughs) in 39 games, was the fastest player to 5,000 passing and 2,000 rushing yards. And this is extra funny because last week the answer to a question was Cam Newton, and you guessed Michael Vick. (laughs) That hurts. All right. I remember you're, that. You're 0 for 2, but I'm I'm going to switch to something that's a little more comfortable and familiar to you. I'm going to baseball. Is it Mariners related? No. <laughs> oh, gosh. So, Major League Baseball is in the playoffs now. 
I did know that. <laughs> I mean, despite being a Mariners fan and not remembering what the playoffs are, I do know that some teams are playing in this weird mystical realm of playoffville. That's true. Now, we've talked recently about uh, a couple weeks ago about what constitutes a major national headline. Remember when you uh, ridiculed my Mike D'Antoni question? Yes. Yeah. Sorry. Also, last week, I don't know if you noticed, but I went super Daniel in the two-minute drill. I, I even did. put a Gardner Minshew question and an Oregon State Beavers question That's true. just to appease you. That is true. And this week, I appeased you by adding more LeBron into it. Well, aren't we just all getting along <laughs> swimmingly? We are. It's funny because last week I was thinking, man, Daniel didn't even thank me for putting that Beavers question in. But I also did not thank you for putting in a LeBron question. So now we're even. Okay. If you know or if you have followed at all major national headlines this week, you will get this question. Which MLB team has lost 18 oh, I know this one. consecutive playoff games since 2004? <laughs> Is it consecutive games? Yes. Wow, that's so bad. 18 consecutive playoff games since 2004. It is your Minnesota Twins. My Minnesota Twins? The Twinkies. <laughs> it is the Minnesota Twins. Oh, I feel so bad for Nelson Cruz. Yeah. Did you see his face I after didn't. the last game? Oh, was he sad? Yeah, he was so sad. It's because, hard to see a big man sad like that. Yeah, because he would. They made an error in like the eighth or ninth inning that blew the lead, and he they just clipped to him, and it was just sadness, pure utter devastation that he was like, "Oh, we're gonna lose." Well, I have a little more elaboration on this because I looked up the Twins' playoff history, their recent playoff history, and I, as I thought about this, I was like, I would prefer. Losing 18 consecutive playoff games since 2004 to not having made the playoffs since 2001. Right? It's close, but I think you're right. Yeah, okay. So what happened was, in 2004, the Minnesota Twins won the opening game of the ALDS against the Yankees, then lost the next three. Then in 2006, they were swept out of the division series by the A's. In 2009, they were swept out of the division series again by the Yankees. In 2010, they were swept out of the division series again by the Yankees. Wow. And in 2017, they lost a wild card play-in game also to the Yankees. So of all these losses, you've got seven. No, more than that. <laughs> Ten of the 18 consecutive losses are to the Yankees. Wow. Which is insane. That is brutal. All right. Last question. Sorry, Andrew, I no, threw you good. off by you're going good. into more. Okay. <laughs> Last question, Daniel. You're one for three. Here's your chance to get even. Which MLB franchise has never lost a playoff series? Never lost a playoff series? Yes. Which MLB franchise? This is one of the most fascinating things in all of sports to me. Which MLB franchise has never lost a playoff series? Ah. Uh... The Miami Marlins. That is correct. Yes. It is the Miami Marlins, formerly the Florida Marlins. Because they're garbage until they go to the playoffs and then they win the World Series. Exactly. So they swept, they they opened, they finished the regular season 31 and 29. So not great, but they made it. Um, They opened the playoffs by sweeping third-seeded Chicago. And the only two other times they've made the playoffs were 1997 and 2003 
Both of those seasons, they went on to win the World Series. That's crazy. So, Daniel, you struggled in football. You bounced back in baseball. You went two two out of four. I'll take it. Still an F. Ah, oh, mother <laughs> truckers. That is, I'm getting forked. Still an F. <laughs> that is some bullshit. Sometimes I'm an asshole. <laughs> Well, that stumped Daniel. Another F on the grade sheet for me, but stick around because we got some fun football talk coming up after this, including, not including, but also we're going to do the Athlete of the Week. Do you have a legal situation and need someone on your side? Let the law office of Jeffrey A. Domashevitz be your advocate. If you've been the victim of medical malpractice, suffered a personal injury, or need representation with real estate law, small business law, or estate planning, let Jeff Domashevitz put his 29 years of experience to work for you. Call Jeff Domashevitz today at 360-612-3991 or visit domashevitzlaw.com. That's D-A-M-A-S-I-E-W-I-C-Z-L-A-W.com. Thank you again to the. Thank you again to the law office of Jeffrey A. Domashevitz <laughs> for sponsoring Stump Daniel. Also, thank you to Oli Penn Real Estate for sponsoring our next segment, the Oli Penn Real Estate Athlete of the Week, historical athlete, still going on, still no local sports. I gotta say, I need more. I need more help. I need more people to send me names to do because <laughs> it's been kind of a struggle lately. But today I remembered one of my favorite girls basketball players that I covered, and it is Elma's Carly Meister. Now, Carly was a dominant center for the Elma Eagles, just absolutely bullied people in the paint, regularly would put up just massive numbers points-wise and rebound-wise, um, affirmed by that is I found one of her uh, bio things on a couple of different places because she played college basketball for Southern Oregon and now after yeah I burped there that was weird I'm going to cut that out of the video that's for sure uh, she coached then after college she coached at Centralia College and now she is co coaching at Portland State University. So that's pretty cool. I mean, that's a pretty big program to be coaching at. And so I found her bio on that, and it says that she was not only a two-time All-State selection, but she also averaged for her career 24 points and 15 rebounds per game. That's insane. And she started as a freshman. That's insane. That's ridiculous. That's like, a lot of points. That's a lot of points, and that's a lot of rebounds. Like, she was so dominant. The problem was, is she didn't, if I remember right, I mean, they had some good teams, but I basically remember her getting double and triple teamed, like, every game. Like, if she would have had, like, two or three more good shooters around the outside, and it's been a long time since I, I can't remember exactly the teams that she played on. I just remember thinking Carly Meister was really, really good. And she absolutely dominated. So she then uh, moved on to Southern Oregon University. And in her freshman year, she was named, where is it? I don't know where it is. Yeah, Daniel. sorry. I'm finding it. I'm finding it. <laughs> Dang it. It's right there. <laughs> so, gosh. 
There's so much on here. Sorry, I'm trying. I shouldn't have tried to skip to Charlie something. Meister must be really, really talented and good if there's so much information. All right, that you so can't I was it. trying to work backward. I was trying to work from like earliest to, but I'm just gonna start with her Portland State stuff because that's easier me for to go. So I'm not trying to flip. And then it around. we can get in a time machine and go back in time to high school. Yeah, okay. exactly. So Carly <laughs> Meister helped lead the Vikings to the program's best Division One season in her first year as a full time assistant for Portland State. The Vikings won only their second Big Sky Tournament title during the 2018-19 season, uh, and they advanced to the NCAA Tournament for only the second time in program history. So she was a coach in the NCAA Tournament in 2019. That is huge. Um, She also spent the 2016-2017 season as an assistant coach at Centralia College where she helped lead the Trailblazers to an 18-11 and overall record with an 11-3 and regional record, which qualified them for the NWAC tournament. She played collegiately at Southern Oregon where she spent three seasons under current Portland State University head coach Lynn Kennedy. Meister was a three-time All-Cascade Collegiate Conference selection and was named... CCC Freshman of the Year in 2012-13. In 2015-16, and 16, Meister helped the Raiders to the NAIA National Championship game and was named an NAIA All-American Honorable Mention. So just an excellent college career as well as her absolutely stellar Elma career as well and now still in basketball, still getting things done now as an assistant coach for her former head coach, which apparently liked her so much that wanted her a part of their program at Portland State. A big part of the reason why I love doing these historical athletes of the week is because, and and we did a series of interviews also with some athletes a long time ago, local athletes that were moving on to the next level and playing colleges, because I love the idea that kids who play sports can have something to aspire to you know it's the reason why we've talked about adam big hill so much is because you know he played football at montesano and he went on to play uh college football and then he went on to play in the cfl like if you stick with it and you work at it then you can do what you want to do and you can be what you want to be and in the situation of carly meister i assume she just said i love basketball i want to do this for a living so if you care about it and you work hard at it, and you put your effort and your heart and soul into it, then you don't have to stop after high school. You know, you if you're talented enough, you can go play in college. If you're not talented enough, you can get into coaching. Like Carly Meister is a great example of someone who was a very good high school player who went on to be a good college player who said, no, basketball's not out of my system. I want to make my living here. And she decided to do it. And I think that's incredibly inspiring, especially, you know, when I look back and I think about when I was a teenager and all I cared about was sports and I would have loved to do sports, but I didn't dedicate myself to doing something with sports for the rest of my life. So I think it's really cool and it's a great example for kids to show that if you work hard and you put in your time and you dedicate yourself to this, then you can do what you want to do. You can do something that ins- that inspires you and fulfills you for, for your life. Absolutely. And I got to say, when I was covering high school basketball, that was some of the first years that I was covering high school basketball. I was just out of college and I remember just thinking, wow, this girl is an absolute beast. 
mean, she was so dominant in the paint for the Elma Eagles and an absolute blast to watch. Worked her tail off. And, yeah, she is our Oli Penn Real Estate Historical Athlete of the Week. Um, and I'm so glad that, she, as you mentioned, she's making a career out of basketball because she put so much work into it. And I'm glad to see that she's still finding success, not only in life, but also in the realm of basketball as well. So Carly Meister, our Historical Athlete of the Week, brought to you by Oli Penn Real Estate. All right, now moving on to some NFL discussion. And before we get to the Seahawks, yes, we're going to make you wait a little bit longer I believe that this is a topic that you guys came up with when I wasn't around. This is all Andrew. This, this is all Andrew. This is the NFL first quarter conclusions. We've now seen the first quarter of the NFL season. Most of it. And, uh, well, yeah, but, you know. <laughs> Sorry. We'll I wave did. that away. We've seen the first, four, first fourth of the season, and we can now definitively predict what will happen through the rest of the season since – the last three quarters always follows the first quarter. Oh, obviously. Yeah. yeah. So I'm <laughs> going to go through the AFC and NFC by division um, and going to just ask you guys for some reaction since we want to know how how it's going to go. All right. Where are we starting? We're starting at the AFC East uh, where the Buffalo Bills are undefeated with Josh Allen second in the league in passing yards, passing touchdowns, yards per passing attempt, and quarterback rating. He's second in all of those? Yes, to different people. <laughs> well, he's not first. <laughs> Will the Bills continue to dominate? How many games are they going to lose this season? Wow. Uh, well, they're currently up 30-16 to 16 as we record on Sunday over the Las Vegas Raiders. I mean, they haven't played... New England yet. I'm really curious to see what they're going to be like when they play some tougher opponents because right now they've played the Jets, the Dolphins, and the Rams. And while the Rams are good, it was a really close game and there was a really weird call at the end of that game as well. Then they play the Titans, the Chiefs. I mean, they've got some tough games coming up. They do play the Seahawks as well. I'm thinking they're going to be like 11 and 5. So you think they're pretty legit though. I think they're pretty good. Right. I think they have a a decent defense. I think they got some good playmakers and I think that Josh Allen is playing way better than he's played at all in the past. And if he can just if he if he even comes down a little bit, I still think that they can be effective. How about you, Justin? I think the Bills are very good. I think they will be 12 and 4. I think they'll win the division. I think that the win over Miami is probably a little bit better than you're giving it credit for. Miami is 1 and 3, <laughs> but they're a very competitive 1 and 3. They've been competitive in every game and their point differential is only minus 3. So they're close to winning games. I'm saying they're close. I don't think this is I'm saying, uh, horseshoes here. I'm saying Miami is probably <laughs> better than a 1 and 3 record in reality. They're better than 1 and 3. So, all right. I think the Bills are good. I think their defense was already really good last year. I think the addition of Stefan Diggs has made a big difference for them and their offense now just with Josh Allen having that extra weapon and being an extra year into it, he's playing extremely well right now. And although I do think there's a pretty good possibility that he comes back down to earth Andrew's at some phone's point. getting messages again. What does it say? It was just a bunch of emojis with kissy heart faces. Was it for me? No, it wasn't from you. 
It was from a girl. <laughs> I think I think the Bills will be 12 and 4. I think they'll win the division and I think they'll turn out to be one of the best teams in the AFC. All right. All right, moving on to the AFC North. The Steelers. Oh, the we're not going to talk about the rest of that division? No. One, oh, we're one, just one question per you had, That was your opportunity to talk about the division. Oh, I thought we were doing it team by team. No, no, sorry. We you were very specific time. about the Bills. We're going. <laughs> yeah, my question was about the Bills. You can talk about whatever you want. Okay. Uh, AFC North, Steelers, Ravens, and Browns all have three wins. Who's going to survive this? This is an interesting division. Justin, you want to go first on this one? This is really the, interesting to me. The Ravens are the best team. Are they? Yeah. But I'm going to go with... The Steelers' defense is better. Yeah, the Ravens are the best team. But I'm going to go with the Cleveland Browns. Get and out my here. boy OBJ, no. who I drafted in my fantasy league, coming out with a 42-point performance a, a, a week after saying, I'm probably not going to have very good fantasy stats this year. He said that literally to his fantasy owners. I apologize. I'm not going to have good fantasy stats. But right now, this Cleveland Browns offense after starting a little rough, is legitimate. They're good. They're explosive. Nick Chubb, I hope this injury is not too big, not too bad, but he'll come back. He'll join Kareem Hunt in the, in the backfield. They have Baker Mayfield playing well. They have good weapons on offense. If the defense can keep other teams to less than 35 points a game, I'm going Cleveland Browns to win the AFC North, Baltimore Ravens second. Steelers will end up 3-13. and 13. <laughs> All right. Um... I'm still – I'm more iffy. I think the Pittsburgh defense is really good. I'm really excited to see when Baltimore plays Pittsburgh. And I'm actually going to say the Pittsburgh Steelers are going to win this division. They're going to go 11-5, and five, and the Ravens and the Browns are going to sink back a little bit. The Browns are going to do what they always do and get people hyped up, and then they're going to crash and burn. You know, the Ravens have actually <laughs> allowed less points per game than the Steelers have. You're welcome. No, what? No, they haven't. <laughs> the Steelers have allowed 58 points per game. Oh, because there's another game in there. Yeah, per game, I said. Per game. <laughs> I see it now. <laughs> but their point differential Do you want to is... change your answer? No. I'm still going Steelers. Okay, because the point differential also wouldn't yep, support your right. argument. AFC. <laughs> Moving on to the AFC South. The Jaguars are doing their best to ruin the career of GOAT Wazoo quarterback and patron saint of the scrimmage podcast, Garnu <laughs> Minshew. Will the Jags succeed? Russell Wilson's angry with you right now. Will the Jags succeed in... Losing for Lawrence. I'm going first on this one. And if one. they do, where do you expect to see the Mississippi Mustache win his first Super Bowl? I'm going first on this one. You can also one. talk about the rest of the NFC. Gardner the Minshew. South. Gardner Minshew will lead the Jacksonville Jaguars to a 13-3 and record. Yes, they started 1-3, and but he will pick them up and carry them on his very strong This coming shoulders. from the same guy who laughed at me when I said they were going to make the playoffs. I'm you, the Minshew defender. I you, said they were going to make the playoffs, and you were like, whoa, the only calm down, buddy. <laughs> the only team in this division that will turn out being better than the Jaguars is the Titans, who will go 12-0 and and miss four games due to COVID. <laughs> the Jacksonville Jaguars under Gardner Minshew will make the playoffs and be one of the best teams in the AFC and win some games. 
Justin, they will not succeed in, in Justin, tanking for Trevor. Do you think that the coach is going to get fired if they end up going to the playoffs? Who is, <laughs> who, who is the coach? I'm not sure. Because that I don't think so. I think that the the GM would get fired. Okay. Because it's not it's not tanking say, on the field. It's organizational tanking. So right. the coach wouldn't be the one who failed. It would be whoever put the team together. Yep. I mean, they did everything they could. They cut Leonard <laughs> they Fournette. Really they did. let Jalen Ramsey go away. Like, what more could they do? The play calling is suspect also. I'm just going to say. Oh, boy. Now, I've been ridiculous, Daniel. You can give a real answer. A real answer is the Tennessee Titans will probably win this division and the Jacksonville Jaguars. Jaguars? Jaguars? Jaguars. Jaguars? Jaguars. I think they'll win enough games that they will not have a shot at Trevor Lawrence because... Holy Moses, the Jets are bad. Yeah, so are the Giants. <laughs> yeah, Mark. Yuki bad. <laughs> All right, moving on to the AFC West. The Kansas City Chiefs with Mahomey at the helm are the only team in the division with a winning record. How deep into the playoffs do you think the defending champs are going to get? And you can talk about the rest of the division, Ooh. Daniel. <laughs> I like the Chargers, even though they're 1-3. I'm a little surprised at how bad their record is with how good their defense was against Mahomes in that game. But, I mean, the injuries are just really starting to stack up against them. They have a young quarterback, too, so you could expect him to do better later in the season. Yeah, you could hope for it at least. I mean, after Tyrod Taylor had his lung punctured. Jeez. <laughs> I think the Chiefs, what was the question? How many games will they win in the playoffs? Depends on the matchups. <laughs> Thanks it, for that. <laughs> sorry, I mean, it really does. They, they will probably... They will most likely at least be in the AFC Championship game again. I know that all the way through this, I've been predicting that a team will be the best team in the AFC from each division. <laughs> <laughs> but I think I just got down to the actual best team in the AFC. There you go. Which is the Kansas City Chiefs. Yep. Oh, I thought you were going to say the Chargers. <laughs> no. I, um, I think just because it's so hard to continuously win in the NFL, to say that I expect anything more than like, 13 and 3 would be a little silly, but I think the Chiefs are going to be the number 1 seed coming out of the AFC. I also think the Raiders are kind of better than I thought they would be. Um even though they're 2 and 2 after what we're assuming is going to be this tough loss to Buffalo that still has 3 minutes left in it. Um I think the Raiders are actually decent. I think that Gruden has made some progress there and I wouldn't be surprised at all if the Raiders were pushing for one of those wild cards at the end of the season, but I do think the Chiefs are clearly better and probably on track to be the one seed. What's the expanded playoffs this year? I think they just added one wild card team okay. on both sides, so that means yeah. only one team in each conference will get a bye. Okay. All right. On to Wait, the- so that means every division winner and three wild cards? I believe yeah. so. Okay, got it. Now, moving on to the NFC and the NFC least. Yes, they are. The entire NFC East has a total of two wins. Barf. Two, four weeks. Uh, I don't think (laughs) think all of them have played their fourth game. Uh, We're only waiting on the Eagles, and they're playing the Niners. Yeah, as of this recording, (laughs) the whole division has two wins. (laughs) So Who is going to come out and win this division, and how many wins are they going to have? Could we have a losing record win this division? Please, uh, well, God, oh, please. Talk- I'm not only going to say a losing record. It is going to be worse than the 7-9 and nine Seahawks record when they got into the playoffs. And won a game. Yeah, and won a game. 
It's going to be like six and ten. Ten. <laughs> Am I wrong to say that it seems clearly like the Cowboys are the best team in this division, yet they're one and three? No, and they are. I think they absolutely are also, cl- the best team in the I division. I saw on Twitter earlier that this is the worst start the Cowboys have had since since such and such year. I can't remember. But the last <laughs> time they started one and three, they finished the year six and ten. And they're going to the win the division at 6-10. and ten. They actually could win the division <laughs> at 6-10 and ten because this division is so bad. I want this to happen so much. We talked about this. I don't remember if it was all of us or just me and Andrew, but we were like, what would be the absolute minimum amount of games that a team could win? Like, if you lost every game except for what you're guaranteed, they, <laughs> they all play each other one time. I don't remember they who the They play cow- each other twice. Yeah, they all they would have to split one and one. They all play okay. each other twice. So if they split one and one, they would each have three wins. The I don't remember who the Cowboys played, but they haven't played a divisional game yet. The one that the football team played was a divisional <laughs> game. Yeah, so that one already counts towards it. So the Cowboys have already won one outside the division. They could if everyone if all of them lost everything that they needed to lose, they could be Four and twelve and win the division. <laughs> so that's what I'm rooting for. The Cowboys have lost to the Rams. They beat the Falcons because they're the Falcons and they don't know how to win a game. They <laughs> lost to the Seahawks and they lost to the Browns. So by your marks of good wins or good losses, the Rams and the Seahawks and the Browns are all teams that are fairly decent, mm-hmm. especially since you love the Browns so much. Yeah, one of and the best teams in the AFC. The problem is, is the only game they won was 40-39 to 39 against the Falcons because the Falcons <laughs> literally don't know how to finish a game with a win if they're up by a lot. So here's, here's a problem, okay? This is a fantasy football problem that I had. How is the Washington football team tied for first in a division? Sorry. I have to explain this fantasy football problem <laughs> they that have I a had. Win. And it was Barf. a massive error in judgment on my part, okay? So, in my fantasy league, I ha- and I was playing against you this week, Daniel. Yeah. I have the New England defense. I got scared because of the positive COVID test for Cam Newton that they were not going to play. So yeah, I, was I like, benched all my Kansas City oh, Chiefs players. I need players. to pick up a defense. What can I do? I picked up the Cowboys defense. <laughs> Because I thought, nah, they're playing against Cleveland. Baker Mayfield's probably good for a couple of turnovers. I looked at how many points the Cowboys' defense has scored. Nah, they've been okay. They got me zero this week. <laughs> oh, boy. That's a tough call Their for defense there, is bud. bad. They have allowed 146 points in four games. That's a lot. That is a lot. That's uh, the most in the NFL. <laughs> good analysis. Anal <laughs> what, What's the map? Is that... Is that like 45 points a game? Uh, no. That's bad math. (laughs) That's bad math. Hold on. Hey, uh, Siri, what's 146 divided by four? Butts! That would be 36.5 points per game. Thank you, Siri. Apple will be sending you a bill for that ad. (laughs) (laughs) All righty. Are you guys done with the AFC least? Yeah, they're bad. (laughs) Or NFC least. NFC North. Bears and the Packers went into week four, tied atop the NFC North at three wins apiece. Are the Packers going to walk away with this one? I think we all agree that the Bears are not as good as their three and one record would would uh, suggest. Uh, Wait, have the Bears lost? 
I believe they're currently losing. Oh, they're they're currently they're losing? a minute and fifty nine seconds away from losing to the Colts. Yeah, three to nineteen right now. Okay, the uh, Bears are not who they thought they were. <laughs> are are the are the Packers gonna walk away with this, or is somebody is somebody gonna make them work for it? No. <laughs> the Vikings look like a dumpster fire. I know they won today, but the Lions are always trash. The Bears, I'm sorry. I don't believe it. I don't believe it. The Packers are going to cruise. They're going to probably go like 12 and 4 and be vying for the top spot in the NFC. Must be nice. This is going to be a controversial take, but I would say if the Bears had just stuck with former Tar Heel Mitchell oh, Trubisky at quarterback, ah, they would not only be undefeated right now, but they would be in the driver's seat and everybody would be going, oh, look at Mitchell Trubisky. But instead, a week after he led a miracle fourth quarter comeback, they benched him in favor of a guy who, for most of the second half, did just as badly and then let a big comeback and they won. Then they started Foles again the following week. Here's here's what and Nick Foles here's what Nick Foles has done for the Chicago, 249 yards, one interception. Congratulations, Chicago! You got Nick Foles. You're oh, losing. He just got a touchdown. That was inconvenient timing. <laughs> <laughs> Literally just updated on my. Well, he went here. okay. There's a minute and 35 <laughs> seconds left, so he went almost 59 minutes without scoring a single touchdown. His team got. Crushed. This is what's called a garbage time touchdown. Yep. So if Mitchell Trubisky were in, the Bears would have won this game, and they would be four and zero. Also, look at the Packers' schedule. Like, the Seahawks might have to go undefeated to get the number one seed. The Packers play the Falcons on Monday night. That's a win. They play the Buccaneers. I like them in that matchup. The Texans have been trash. The Vikings have been trash. They play the Niners, then the Jaguars, then the Colts. Then the Bears again, then the Eagles, Lions, Panthers, Titans. They might lose to the Titans. Then they play the Bears again. That is not a tough schedule. Well, maybe by the time they get back around to that Bears matchup, Trubisky will be back in and they'll lose that game. <laughs> One can only hope. All right. All right. Uh, NFC South. Falcons are winless. Saints and Panthers are even at two apiece. And the Tom Brady Buccaneers are in the lead with three wins. Oh, this is a tough one for me. What are you thinking? Well, since I'm a Tom Brady guy now. Oh, um, Lord. <laughs> at Tom the beginning Brady of the guy. season, I think we were looking at this going, the Saints seem to be the best team, but the Buccaneers should be in a good position to push for a wild card. And the Saints have been a little disappointing. That's I know true. They're 2-2. Two and two. They played a game without Michael Thomas. I get it. Like, lost that game. Drew Brees was a, a, was subpar that game. But he's come back and he's been better. Um, I feel like if Tom Brady keeps throwing pick sixes, because he <laughs> threw his second pick six in this Sunday's game, that's probably not going to fare well. But the Buccaneers have good offensive weapons. They have a, a very good defense. They've they have allowed less than a hundred points, which by today's NFL standard is pretty darn good yeah. for this point in the year. Um, I I would say I expected New Orleans's defense to be better than it is, and I would give the edge to the Buccaneers at this point because I think they've just looked better up to this point. But I'm also not counting out the Saints. Yeah, I'm not counting out the Saints either. But I think you're right. I think the Buccaneers have the edge so far. All right, and. Last, but obviously not least, in fact, probably first, 
The NFC West is the only division with a positive point differential for every single team. Seahawks lead with an undefeated record, and Arizona trails with a record of 2-2. Two and two. The Rams just lost, Which so they're 3-1. Three, three teams will make the playoffs? Which, oh, you're going to say all... Th- uh, well, that, was, that was the way I, I liked to... <laughs> yeah. What do, you think the, well, what do you think the odds are? We we legitimately could possibly see three of these teams go to the playoffs. Well, the 49ers defensively are really have good. only allowed 46 points in three games, which, yeah. again, like even by normal NFL standards, that's really good. And in this year they where everyone played, is scoring. They have played the Cardinals, the Jets, and the Giants, though. They've played both dumpster fire New York teams. Yeah, that's true. Those are the two worst teams in the league. I think the Cardinals' offense is... I think they're pretty good. Yeah. Especially as the season goes on, I think that Cardinals team is going to be pretty good. You got Kyler Murray in his second year working through some things. Developing his chemistry with DeAndre Hopkins. Yes, but when you're talking about total points... I have to bring up that two out of their three games that you're talking about <laughs> have been against the Jets and the Giants, which are horror bad. They're horror bad, and they're Travis mockery. <laughs> <laughs> so, which three teams, Daniel? Who do you, I'm, I'm going. Who do you... I'm going Seahawks, Rams, Cardinals. Ooh. I'm leaving the 49ers. Out. I like that. Wow. Are the Rams are? Is Garoppolo supposed to come back, and do I care? How much of I was thinking that too. Like, when is Garoppolo coming back? But then I was like, how big of a difference does that actually make? Yeah, how much better than Nick Mullins is he? He's prettier. Uh, He's very pretty. Yeah, you got that. You got that going. I'm. I. You know. I'm. See, the problem is Justin is that the Cardinals just lost to Detroit yeah. and Minnesota. Yeah. No, and the Panthers. Yeah, that's not good. That's not good. Yeah, and in one of those games, Kyler Murray threw three picks. So yeah. we're definitely I, splitting with them. I'm right? anticipating that offense the being. Are definitely splitting with them. <laughs> I'm anticipating that Cardinals offense getting better and more efficient as the season goes on. I think I'm with you on that one, but it makes it so tough because I don't know. I like the San Francisco coaching staff so much better than the Cardinals. Uh, I think I'm gonna go Seattle. Los Angeles, San Francisco, in that order. Oh. So we both got the Rams. Yeah, and we just did the bottom two teams. So the, I, the, the I'm Niners are so the, Rams off. the Niners are so injured. Yeah, I I would I think it was it's going to end up being Seattle, Arizona, 49ers, Rams. I mean the Rams. You think they're all going to make it? No, but that I mean oh, the, you all know those what? four in that order. You know what? That's not that's not a bad take because the Rams only wins. Have been against the NFC East. Obviously, it's not a bad take, Daniel. It was Cowboys, take. Cowboys, <laughs> this guy. Cowboys, Eagles, and Giants are their only wins. Yeah. So maybe those are all fake wins. I I won't say that I've watched enough to be authoritative. I just don't buy the Rams, and I think that the 49ers are going to be hurt by their injuries quite a lot. And also, I don't buy their quarterback, even if he's healthy. And I think Arizona is going to play better. As like, I think they, I think that their their struggles have been not because they're bad, but because they're young and new and they're figuring stuff out. So, uh, can I get a prediction for the Seahawks? What do you guys think their record is going to be? I'll I'll start it off. Before the season, I 
went through the games and I found them going 13 and 3. Before the season you thought that? Yeah. Wow. What do you think now? Would you would you modify that? Well, let's see. Win against the Vikings, Cardinals. If they split that second one, that first one's at Cardinals. Yeah. So that's the one they'll win. Yeah. <laughs> it's it is it's the Cardinals. Bills. It's the Cardinals in Seattle that have been like the biggest bugaboo the last few years. At Buffalo is concerning. At Buffalo is going to be tough, but it's early in the year. I guess November could be snowing. They play outdoors, right? Oof. Yeah. Uh then they have a stretch of Eagles, Giants, Jets, Washington. That'll be nice. Then Rams, Niners. I'm going to stick with 13 and 3 cuz I feel like 14 and 2 is really hard. And I I think that with how good we think our division, we think the NFC West is that there's an easy chance they'll lose two games there and maybe another game somewhere else. But gosh, if they if Russell Wilson keeps doing what he's doing, you start looking at these games and you think, yeah, they should just win these. I'm gonna go eleven and five. I'm gonna assume and obviously there's gonna be some weird stuff in here. I'm Do you gonna you think assume... they're gonna lose five out of their Next 11 games? Yes, yes, I do. That's a lot. Yeah, I think they're going to, when they get into division play, I think it's reasonable to think they will split with all three teams in the division. I At Buffalo is a game that concerns me. That's a fourth loss. And I think they're going to lose one of these other goofy ones in there somewhere. Oh, like, dude, either at the Eagles. You think they're going to lose to an NFC East team I or do. the Vikings? I think they're going to lose a game that we don't think they should lose. Barf. They might lose a game to the Jets because, late in the season. Because, just oh, just because, to say screw you to everyone. Because the defense the defense is <laughs> it was They're going to go to Vegas and bet Jets and then just tank. <laughs> it was better and more sea hockey this week with the bend but don't break. But they have a hard time. They have a hard time stopping passing games. And it concerns me to the point that I think somewhere in this mix, I'm going to assume they lose the they lose to Buffalo at Buffalo. They lose they split with all three teams in the division. I think they're going to lose another weird one that they shouldn't lose and they'll go 11 and 5. So, who do you have winning the NFC West then if that's the case? I think 11 and 5 wins the NFC West. And then who has the top seed in the NFC? Green Bay. All right. I I don't think that they're There are two games that worry me and it's the Cardinals in Seattle and at the Bills at 10 in the morning on the other side of the country. And I expect them to get better as they get some of their early injured players back on defense and i also expect defense is in general across the league to do better as this season goes on the weather gets a little bit worse etc i'm gonna say that they go undefeated and i'm gonna say that there are two games that i am concerned what about. wow we've gone on really like really opposite views here there are two games they're that gonna I go undefeated about and I bl- I believe that they have a better than a better than fifty percent chance of winning those two games. So I'm I'm predicting that they will go undefeated. Okay. Only two teams in NFL history have gone undefeated through Why the regular season. Why not Russ? Why not us? Oh. Why not now, Daniel? I'm changing it. Not eleven and five. I want undefeated. 
You can't change it now. <laughs> Bandwagon. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so so let's uh, let's move on here. Should we break down what happened in the Seahawks' most recent game against Justin the Miami wants Dolphins? Justin to skew negative. <laughs> yeah. I just it's just that I find myself feeling annoyed after these games. Less annoyed this week. Yeah, I was less annoyed this week, but, but I only annoyed. watched half the game. Less annoyed, but still annoyed. Because why did they have to let Chris Carson run those touchdowns in? That was Why couldn't crap. Russ pass the <laughs> touchdowns in, help my fantasy team, and help his stock for MVP? Look, Chris Carson hadn't had a touchdown yet. Yeah, he because had. He, he received Russell was, one in the first game. I know, least. but a rushing touchdown. Because Russell was throwing matter. the ball on the one-yard line. Yeah, they. Gotta, it was working. Why'd they change it? They gotta keep Chris happy. They're like, look, we know you're hurt, but if you play through this injury for us, even though you're on a contract year, which injury, the knee or the head? Yeah, Yeesh. He got uh, the, the breath knocked out of his head, Justin. Yeah. Uh, somebody on Pete Carroll's post game asked him about Chris Carson's performance, and then also mixed into the question, especially playing on a contract year. And Pete Carroll said, wow, that question was really great until you got to the contract situation. And I was like, okay, that's kind of a dick move, Pete. Like, <laughs> you're just going to really ignore. Talk about it. You're going to ignore that this running back who you have pounded into injuries and other teams for the last, what, three years is on a contract year. What, you just don't want to bring up how that's an actual thing and that he's risking his health yet again, playing slightly injured at least. And toughing it out? Like, come on, Pete. Where are you at? You're going to just call that a garbage part of the question? No. That needs to be meaningful because running backs make, especially him as a seventh round pick, are making trash money. And most likely at the end of this, they're just going to be like, oh, well, he's been kind of hurt. So we don't want to actually give him a good deal here. And I Give him three years, five million a year or something maybe. stupid. Yeah. So anyway, I thought Chris Carson deserved his two touchdowns today. It does put a little bit of a hit on Russell Wilson's quest to knock off Peyton Manning and his uh, single-season touchdown record, but he's still on pace for it. He's got 16 touchdowns through four weeks. That's on pace for 64 in the season. And what, he has to get to 56? Yeah, I think so. This was an East Coast 10 a.m. game. That I mean, And apparently it was super hot. Yeah. Uh, I guess I feel like <clears throat> I feel like I sometimes get frustrated watching the defense. I feel like I sometimes get frustrated watching the decisions that the offense makes in certain situations. But it's more like I get frustrated that they let a team like the Dolphins creep back in at the end of the game. Like there was a point where Daniel turned to me and was like, "Huh, I don't know what to do with myself. I actually feel kind of good right now. What do I do? And I was like, oh, we're back to week one where we actually got to enjoy the game. But no, they had to go and make it stressful at the end again. <laughs> Andrew, how did you experience that end of the game? I it it didn't tip the scales to where I actually started to get stressed, but they scored that touchdown and I was like and then they got the two point conversion and I was like, Yep. Yep. Here yep, we're starting it right now. This one's gonna go great. Yep, let's watch this happen. We're gonna somehow manage to not score. They're gonna somehow manage to not score. Um it, I I think it has more to do with the NFL football right now being very frustrating to watch than it does with the Seahawks, though, legitimately. Like, watching Red Zone, it's, it's awful. It is just awful. 
defenses are tripping all over themselves and not tackling quarterbacks and not tackling anyone and not getting called or getting called for DPI and offenses are holding and not getting called and chucking the ball all over the place, whether someone catches it or not. And it's just, I, it's, I think the NFL this year has been very distressing for not distressing, just stressful for me to watch. Like it isn't pretty or not, not what I consider pretty. The NFL decided to go even farther with this. Let's skew the game to the offense this year. Through the first week of this first three weeks of the season, offensive holding penalties had dropped by fifty nine percent, and defensive so, pass interference had increased by twenty two or twenty two. Twenty two, I thought. Okay, just twenty two or twenty nine. But I mean, yeah, it's it's insane. It's absolutely insane. So with that, maybe the defense means less, but and with all the holding that's allowed now. Maybe it's more normal throughout the league that sack numbers are down. I haven't actually gotten to study that more. But that's the biggest worry right now for me for the Seahawks defense is, again, another game, one sack. Like, this this team cannot get pressure on the quarterback. They had six quarterback hits all game. And that's that very well may be true that that's extremely concerning. I know that as I watch these games... I don't feel the same way I did last year about the trenches. I felt like, man, sometimes you guys can't block anybody and you definitely can't get any pressure on the quarterback. And I felt like, although there are moments where the offensive line has big lapses, I thought the offensive line has been pretty decent. Like at yeah, least the O line's been good, at least good enough that you're not really thinking about them very often. And then when they do make a mistake, it's like, arg. And then you think, Oh, well actually they've been pretty good up to this point. And the pressure I know they're not getting sacks. There are guys in the backfield what on what seems like a much more regular basis than last year. It's still not good, but it is better. And I can see that, But too. is it good enough? Yeah, that's that's the question. Is it good enough? I, I don't know about you guys. I thought a couple of players today stepped up that I wasn't expecting. I David Moore? Well, sadly, yes, Did we, David do we Moore. we have to talk about this? Yeah. <laughs> Uh, Ryan Neal, I thought, played really well yes. on defense, which was amazing considering he's, what, fifth string safety? Would we have thought that is five? He, does he get listed on string if he's starting the season on the practice squad? Yeah, well, like, like how many safeties did they go through to get to him, I guess, exactly. is the question. Yeah. So, yeah, like fourth, so or, fifth? fourth or fifth. Jamal Adams, Marquise Blair, uh, Lano Hill. Hill. And then did they play Amadi in at safety and then move him because a corner got hurt? Amadi, yeah, that's what I was wondering. I think Amadi went went into in at corner when somebody else got hurt. Was Flowers hurt? I did. I thought no. Flowers Dunbar's was hurt. Dunbar. So maybe Amadi's moved into the big nickel spot. Yeah, like I think if Dunbar was healthy, then they'd move Flowers to the nickel, and Amadi might play safety or Flowers might play safety. But because of all these injuries, Ryan Neal has gotten his shot, and I thought he played well today. Two more passes defensed, another interception. Are you kidding me? And he had six tackles, so I was excited That's, about how Ryan Neal played. That has a pleasant surprise for sure. Yeah. And then you look at, I don't know, I saw Shaquem Griffin flash a couple times. 
Um, I'm not sure you guys watched the whole game. I only watched the second half pretty much. Did you guys see anything that jumped out to you from on the defensive side besides KJ Wright absolutely destroying people on screens? Um, probably the same thing that you did with Shaquem Griffin, but partly because it's my radar is always on him. I think when he same makes here. the play, yeah. I see it, you know, so two tackles. two tackles, but also like there was a couple times where he got great pressure up the middle. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's encouraging to see any pressure, you know? So that was a guy that I thought Bobby was great. Yeah. I thought Bobby was great today. He kind of looked like his old self. He looks yes. a lot in, in a couple of instances this year. I've thought Bobby looks like the old Bobby. And it's it's interesting because Bobby looks like that. And I know KJ Wright had a great day. But every now and then, like, and I love, there's no, I'm not sure if I've ever seen a player as good at consistently just destroying screenplays as KJ Wright. But please find a way to not have him matched up on receivers or even yeah. fast tight ends running around the field. Because while he's super crafty, He's not very fast anymore. Yeah, I thought Ugo Amadi was has been kind of a revelation at the nickel position as well. Yeah, he made one really nice play on a pass defense where he was diving. He was diving like towards the the player. Or the, I don't remember who the receiver was, but he was diving towards him and just played like he was just playing the hands and just scooped the ball out right as it got there. I was, I loved it. So while the Seahawks have struggled in pass rush, Justin, you brought up their offensive line, did well again today. They gave up only two sacks and four quarterback hits. And as always, I mean, we've seen god-awful offensive line play in Seattle here with Russell Wilson. But you do also see every now and then some really good pass blocking and Russell just looking around being like, nah. And it takes a long time. So even I'm not sure if that this happened today with those sacks or because I missed the fourth down play. So I'm not sure exactly what happened there. I know that mm-hmm. was one of the sacks. He didn't hold uh, it was, for very long. Were there any coverage sacks in today's game? I can only think of the one that you're talking about, and I feel like he had about enough time to get through probably one and a half progressions on that one. Okay, so, not so if too the much ball time. had just zipped right out on the first progression, it would have been fine. But he stayed in the pocket and he couldn't get out. He also does some stuff like Andrew and I were talking about this while we watched the game. He does some stuff that's incredibly difficult and he makes it look so easy. Like he had a play where he got flushed out of the pocket so he's rolling out. And then somebody comes up from the flats. And the guy, they've got him trapped. And he just steps to the left and splits him and goes up to the line and throws the ball 30 yards downfield and completes a pass. And it looks like... We just take those things for granted. It never looked great. like he hurried. No, not like, at all. It was just <laughs> like, up, up, oh, there it we go. It looked like he <laughs> knew exactly what was going to happen and just adjusted accordingly. It's ridiculous. So those are the kind of things we take for granted with Russ. But I think as far as the offensive line goes, they also they mentioned on the postgame show on the radio that they were rotating offensive linemen in like they usually do with defensive linemen to try to keep these guys fresh. And that makes sense because they signed about a billion free agent <laughs> offensive linemen before the season started, and all of them were kind of like pretty much mid-level guys. So the idea that they've recognized, okay, well, we have a lot of talent here, and none of it's top-level talent. Let's see what we can get out of it by maybe keeping some of these guys fresher and rotating them in, and it seemed like it worked. Well, I mean, we saw that. I'm not sure if Jordan Lewis played. Is it Jordan? Jordan Lewis? The rookie guard? 
I, I can't I remember so. now. I can't remember his first Damian name. Damian Lewis? Damian, there it is. <laughs> uh, I'm not sure if he played today because he was banged up with some injuries previously, but, I mean, we've seen Jordan Simmons come in and play. We've mm-hmm. seen Jamarco Jones come in and play, and you haven't seen much of a drop-off when that happens. No. So it makes sense that if you have that ability. Because, again, I don't notice it. Yeah, <laughs> And exactly. if I don't notice it, then it's probably fine. The fact that they were rotating offensive linemen in and they still had zero penalties is wow. incredible. I just realized that. That's amazing. It's kind of true. That's incredible. They did have one penalty, but it was offset by another penalty, so it didn't count as a penalty. It also wasn't an offensive line penalty. No. So. Is it concerning to you guys at all that even with Chris Carson banged up this week and somehow where did the Carlos Hyde injury come from? I, yeah. Andrew knew it earlier. I didn't know it until the list of inactives came out. Seriously, on, neither did I. On when, I, it was, I think it was on Wednesday. Both he and Carson were listed as part as uh, limited limited participants in practice. But that's, I, that's I, the I only saw, thing I saw that, and then I was like, oh well, hopefully Carson's gonna play because Pete Carroll sounded like positive about that. And then the inactive uh, or the inactives list came out, and I was like, oh, apparently Hyde was hurt worse. Yeah, I had no idea that was coming. I saw the limited participation and was like, oh, they're just giving him some rest. He's going to have a heavy workload this week. Yeah. And even with Hyde not being in and Chris Carson being banged up, however, even during the game before the game. When he got the wind knocked out of his head. Exactly. Yeah. They only gave DJ Dallas two carries and. Yeah. Two carries for eight yards, and Travis Homer had. Four carries for five yards. Yeah, I think but the, I trying think both... to ease him in, I'm sure, because Pete likes to do that. Yeah. Like, he likes to try to ease people in. Uh, Travis Homer had four carries for five yards and a long of eight yards. So, yikes. I'm not, I don't know how that math works out. I, I there's some, he had some negative runs. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the positive sign is, is, I mean, Travis Homer caught the three yard touchdown pass and that was, that was a bullet. Yeah. Thrown right across the middle. So, that's not an easy catch for a back. And also, DJ Dallas had a couple of catches as well. So it seems like they're more effective in the passing game than they are in the running Which game. Which is why he should have been throwing the passes to Carson, too. I know that I would like well, to Carson see... Well, Carson also had three catches for 20 yards. But not for the touchdowns. I would like to see more <laughs> DJ Dallas and less Travis Homer. I, I agree. On running plays? On both. On both? I think I'm kind of with you on that one. We know what Travis Homer is. Yeah, I think. And if all the running backs get hurt again, like last year, then yeah, Travis Homer's okay. Also, even in the limited time that DJ Dallas had, he showed some real elusiveness that I felt like we don't see from Travis Homer. Like you said, we kind of know who he is, but I think DJ Dallas has that home run ability that, as like a third down back or a change of pace back, could really make a big difference. The Seahawks also gave up 103 rushing yards this week, which is probably the most of the season so far. Definitely. But 47 of those came on six carries by Ryan Fitzpatrick. Mm-hmm. <laughs> is that a product of not having Jamal Adams on the field? It has to be somewhat, right? I think it at least 60% is. Like I can't the, say the it 100% is because Ryan Fitzpatrick has a tendency to kind of pull those sort of runs out of his butt in crucial situations a lot. But... He also is their second leading rusher. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Not just in <laughs> he's the just game. A running he, quarterback, in you the know? game he was their leading rusher. <laughs> yeah. Are you saying on the season he's their second leading rusher? Yes. <laughs> I think it's I think that is par- at least partially because Miles Gaskin has kind of emerged as their lead runner, but it's really been over the last couple weeks. Um 
but they they work with like a three running back rotation. Yeah, Ryan Fitzpatrick right now, or through three games played, so this doesn't change because he led their team in rushing. He had 68 yards rushing in three games, and Miles Gaskin had 152. And Matt Breida, I thought I think we all kind of thought Matt Breida would get more of a shot there in Miami, didn't we? I def I thought it was going to be Breida or Howard. I didn't see Gaskin coming up and taking over that spot. But that's kind of cool to see. UW yeah. guy, local boy. Yeah. UW's all-time leading all-time leading rusher, they said on the broadcast today. <laughs> Anything else stick out from you from this game besides oh, got to throw it to uh Jason Myers. Hit a 55-yard field goal yeah. today. Can we talk about Chris Carson for a minute? Yes, I would love to talk about Chris Carson. Because I know Pete wanted to brush it off, but the contract issue sticks in my mind a lot, especially like you. He didn't just brush it off. Yeah. It was. He called it out as a, like bad? Yeah. It was Dang. like, it upset me yeah. how he handled that part of the question. I know that I've said this before, but Chris Carson, over the last couple seasons, top five in carries, top five in yards. He's played through a lot of injuries. He has been injured at the end of seasons, and I get that. But you've also loaded him up. Like, you, he's gone out there, and he's broken his body for you. He's put himself at risk. And if the Seahawks do that again this year, like, the guy got his knee twisted in an alligator roll by a 300-pound defensive lineman last week. I don't know what you guys thought, but I thought there was such a small chance that he was going to be able to even play in this game. Absolutely. He not only played, but he played really well. And then there was a really concerning hit where they say he got the wind knocked out of him, but he got hit high, and it looked immediately like when he got hit, his body went limp, and then he was flat on his back. It was really concerning and scary to watch. This guy's going out there week after week, putting himself in terrible positions, and when the contract thing comes up, you're going to be aggressive about it? Like, what more can he do for you over the last few years? Exactly. You need to reward him on the back end. He, he, he needs to get something that's more than just what he's worth to you over the next couple years because he's done this for you the last few years. And I don't care if it's bad for the Seahawks and their salary gap. I don't give a crap because it's the right thing to do by this person. And I think developing a reputation as the right thing to do by a person will benefit you in the long run. I absolutely agree with you. And he's still in his prime too. So even yeah. if you give him like a solid contract for three or four years – that's still in the prime of his career. You don't have to break the running back records. Yeah. But compensate him for what he's been. Exactly. He's been a stud as a seventh round pick and somebody that you're right, they have just ground into the ground. That was a terrible sentence. But I the one thing I'll say is I'm hoping that it was just I know that you guys said he went limp. I haven't seen the play. I haven't been able to find it yet. I haven't been able to find it either. Have but you guys also, ever I been watched it covered up? I only have, watched it a couple times, so I have couldn't... Have you guys ever been hit so hard that you got the wind knocked out of you? Yes. It, like, yes, before you hit it, the ground. It's not yes. about... Yeah. My body went pretty limp when that happened to me. I had a pass over the middle one time in a Bearcats game and got lit up by the safety, and there was... I just kind of crumpled. So I don't know... I don't know if that's a reaction that would be kind of normal, but... I was just thinking my own experience and I had like three or four ribs knocked out of place. And I'm pretty sure that might've been the year that I had a cracked rib as well. No, that was the next year. But <laughs> I mean, it, 
it's a weird feeling. And so I guess I don't know. Could could that cause it? Like, I'm not saying you guys are wrong that you guys felt like he was actually knocked out because I haven't seen the play. I would just say it looked suspicious. It looked suspicious. It looked not really accusing sketchy. anyone of anything. I don't think we've seen it enough because they didn't, they what, they like replayed it once. Yeah, and, I only saw it twice. And I haven't seen it since. So I, I wouldn't say that I'm super confident, but it definitely, there was no doubt in my mind that he'd taken a really hard hit to the head. And then when he came back out and they were like, oh, it says, he says that. Or they said that he had the breath knocked out of him. Both Justin and I were like, what? I also tried to find it on Twitter, and I couldn't find it. I've got it recorded on my Fubo, so we can go back and find it. Let's hope that he will be okay. We will check that out. (laughs) I think we should check that out right when we're done recording the show, because I'm really curious. But I'm right with you, Justin. They need to compensate this guy, because he has been an absolute warrior for them coming out of Oklahoma State. That's going to do it for our Seahawks discussion. Stick around. We got some, well, Francis is asking us questions again, so you can decide on uh, what you think about that after the break. (laughs) The team of realtors at Olipen Real Estate wish you and your family good health during this stay home, stay safe time. Their team has health and safety measures in place to protect you and everyone involved in the process. If you're thinking about selling your home, now is a great time. There are more buyers than available homes, Many homes are still receiving multiple offers and are selling for above asking price. OliPen Real Estate will help you put the most money possible in your pocket in less time without the hassle. Visit sellmyharborhome.com to get your home market ready. The OliPen team is ready to work for you. Thank you again to our sponsors, the Law Office of Jeffrey A. Domashevitz and OliPen Real Estate, the sponsor of the Athlete of the Week segment. If you want to sponsor us, hey, do it. We'll talk about your business. Yeah. <laughs> Just, Justin, Justin, are you, do you have some something to deal with here? Uh, why? What do you ask? I was just—you seemed like you were leaving Daniel out there to dry. Sorry, I'm no. distracted. I really have to pee. <laughs> I left earlier. People right. didn't notice because I think you guys filled the time just yeah. nicely. But I, I actually went and peed. Yeah. Yeah. It's now time for the mailbag. <laughs> Mailbag. The mailbag. Yes, Send the mailbag. Stuff. Send us your stuff in a mailbag. It's interesting, although I did leave Daniel hanging out to dry, and I'm not going to say that I didn't. I thought he was waiting for that imaging. I kind of was. <laughs> I'm sorry. Okay. It's okay. I it was. I, I thought that you guys were talking about stuff, and I was like, Justin's just staring at him. <laughs> <laughs> All right. First question from Francis, and it is about the NBA. And it's, Justin, he says it is, wor- it, it is wordy and it is worrying. It is both of those things. Francis says, and this, uh, I'll, I'll just have the disclaimer out there in Francis's defense. This was after Tyler Hero's 37-point Eastern Conference Finals performance. Which they still lost? No, they won that game. Oh, right, because yeah. now we're in the finals. Gotcha. Yeah. So Francis says... After Tyler Hero, the pride of Lexington, Kentucky's own Kentucky Wildcats. By the way, Francis is a Kentucky fan. He says, the Greek freak, Dame Lillard, Anthony Davis, and also from Kentucky, Kawhi, who is the sixth best player in the NBA, or who is the sixth best player in the NBA. So his top five, Tyler Hero, Greek freak, (laughs) Dame Lillard, Anthony Davis, and Kawhi Leonard. That sounds reasonable. And he wants to know who is the sixth best player in the NBA. He has 
left out LeBron because he is in a feud with me, apparently. <laughs> um, here are his options. KD, Steph Curry, Jimmy Butler, Jamal Murray, Luka Doncic, Kyrie, and Anthony Towns, which I think he meant Carl Anthony Towns, <laughs> but he just went with Anthony Towns. Daniel, Jimmy Graham? Daniel, who's the sixth best player in the NBA? Oh, that's tough. Well, first of all, my top five doesn't agree with him. You have to assume his top five. I have to assume his top five? Yeah. Do I have to also leave out LeBron? Yeah, he is not one of the options. <laughs> uh, see, Katie and Steph are hurt. Luca's really good. You know, I'm going to go off the board here. On is a that allowed? I, I don't know, but okay. it's it's a conversation that we had, and every time I watch this dude play, I love how he plays the game. And I'm going to go the Joker. I'm going to go Ooh, Nikola Jokic. You got Jokic at six. I got Jokic at six. I okay. love that guy. Well, with no LeBron on the table and with the players that he has in the top five, who I wouldn't all have in my top five, I think the most obvious choice is a healthy KD. If we're going with KD is injured so we can't choose him, I would probably take Luka Doncic as the guys that are left on the board here as the best player at number six. That's understandable. I see that. Okay. I love Luka. And since Dame's already in. See, I can't yeah. put Luka ahead of Dame. But yeah, Dame's like fringe top five for me. I love Dame, and I don't think he's top five. I think he's in the six to nine range, and he falls somewhere in there. But also, as I pointed out when we were talking about this off air, sometimes I just discriminate against shorter players. Yeah. <laughs> and, because I think the big guys who have guard capabilities are just capable of so much more. But do they have the capability of shooting from half court? No, nobody does. <laughs> the smaller Even Steph players does. are the best on the floor. Steph made it famous. Even Steph at this point does not have the range capabilities that Dame does. Exactly. The way that he is treated when he plays other teams, getting double teamed as soon as he crosses half court, yeah. that plays hugely into my mind that he has to be right in that top five, top six conversation. Agreed. Next question from Francis. Gosh. Uh, with some with his come from behind win over Ricky Wisaki at Maple Hill, is Paul Macbeth back? I actually have a I strong opinion about this. I don't know who these people are. <laughs> I actually have a very strong opinion about this. And I have a bad feeling that if I Google this, then I'm gonna start getting suggestions about disc golf. Here, here's the problem. I don't want this. Here's the problem. Macbeth through Use the three through the three rounds, the only hole that he was better on was the eighth hole, and he won it in all three rounds by six strokes, and he ended up winning the tournament by four. So I think like if Wasiki if Wasaki could just get better at that one hole, then this is not a conversation. Also, Macbeth threw a big stinking fit. <laughs> because he threw his disc into a water hazard <laughs> and then thought he should get a drop because there was some confusion over a rule. So the way it basically broke down was he threw it in the water and then he instead of throwing it from there, he wanted to have a drop. And they said, no, you can't do that. That's not what the rule says. And he said, but I want to. And they said, no, you can't do that because that's not what the rule says. And he says, but I want to. And he said, okay, how about if I do both and then you can decide what the rule is later and you can, you can use whichever one. So he did both. He had a throw from the other spot. Could you imagine a golfer trying to do that? Yeah, so he did this, and then after his constant pestering, after they had already told him no a few times, he appealed afterwards, and the tournament director said, yeah, okay, you can use the lower one. So he gained a stroke there. Wow. He won by 
by four strokes, but okay. it was a momentum swinger. And I, I, like I said, just that eighth hole, I really think Ricky Wasaki was the better player throughout all three rounds. And Macbeth has got some catching up to do if he's going to get back to Wasaki's level. <laughs> I'm so glad that you put so much into that. Now, the question is, Daniel, did I make all that up? Or did I actually I look it up? I have no idea. <laughs> that... I have a feeling that Francis is going to let us know. That was an intricate story, <laughs> if that is true, and you just, or if that's not true, and you just made that up. So I'm going to go with that being true. Okay, it is true. Okay, <laughs> that's going to do it for today's show. Thank you so much for listening. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram. Yeah, we should probably post some pictures there sometime. Uh, Facebook, definitely follow us on Facebook and subscribe to our YouTube please, channel. Please subscribe. To please subscribe to YouTube. Subscribe on uh, Apple Podcasts. Subscribe on Google Google Podcasts. I What's can't a podcast? <laughs> subscribe on all of the podcasts. And Spotify. Things. And yeah. rate and review. Yeah. Yes. Only, five stars only, please. Leave yeah. comments. Tell leave, us how much you love us. And and leave us questions. Ask us. Ask us random questions. Or suggest an athlete of the week. Like, we want to hear from you. Yes, Please? we really do. <laughs> Francis is the only person that asks questions. Not even this mythical godfather creature sometimes, has been. Sometimes we've been getting questions from the godfather. Well. Not every week, though. I don't even know who it is still. I think it's just Justin. <laughs> Nobody knows. Anyway. So, for my co-host... Taking the Browns to the Super Bowl, Justin Domashevich. I did not say that. <laughs> and for my co-host, Daniel, I turned into Kobe at the end of the game, Hargrove. And our trusty producer, Andrew, subscribe to all the podcasts. <laughs> Gross. You've been listening to the scrimmage. I'm a podcast producer. <laughs> it's a producer. Producer. <laughs>